Join Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. When you're burning out, you are overwhelmed. There's too much going on. There's too many things jam-packed in your calendar, too many uh, things that are commanding, demanding your attention. So get back to what's essential and start pushing away guilt-free the things that are not essential. This is the Business Leadership Podcast and I'm Edwin Frondoso. Welcome. How are you doing today? Thank you for joining me. This is episode number 68 and and my guest today is Hamza Khan. He's the Managing Director of Student Life Network. And in our conversation, we discuss what the four ingredients of purpose are, what ARC, or what he termed ARC, is, and how he applies it to, to his team, members, and clients, how you overcome burnout, and maybe more importantly, how you identify the 12 stages of burnout. We talk about ways to better your resistance to stress, and lastly, the skill that you need to beat AI. This episode is brought to you by Dell, empowering Canadian entrepreneurs with the tools, technology, and resources they need to succeed. Also, the Business Leadership Podcast is a friend of the ITWC Podcast Network and supported by our media partner, IT World Canada. Now, here we go. Welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast, Hamza. Hey, man. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for taking your time um, to join us today. I'm really excited. I know you and I have crossed paths many times in our mm-hmm. careers. So this is actually this is actually a, a coming of sorts of, a, of our world. So super excited to have you. But Hamza, why don't why don't you introduce yourself to to our listeners, especially for those who, who may not know you. Tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are. And more importantly, what do you like to do when you're not growing or leading businesses? <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. Uh, this is super exciting. It's like we get to catch up. Uh, what can I say? I'm a marketing professional. I've got a decade of experience in and around the education industry. Uh, I'm obsessed with closing the skills gap and lowering youth unemployment. Those are the two problems that I'm fixated on right now. How am I currently applying myself in solving those problems? Uh, one, I'm the managing director of Student Life Network. I'm a keynote speaker. I'm the author of The Burnout Campbell and a contributor to various publications. I'm a faculty member of Ryerson University and Seneca College. And I'm the co-founder of Skills Camp, a school for soft skills. Uh, what do I do when I'm not leading businesses? Good question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I mean, you I'm just pr- said so many things. So hopefully you have time for that, right? Well, well, I, I think about this a lot and, and, and I, I have to count my blessings. I feel privileged that so much of what I would do when not leading businesses is what I currently do to make a living. Uh, I'm learning, I'm writing, I'm teaching, I'm speaking, I'm consulting, but if you're asking what I'm doing for fun, I would say yeah. uh, I'm a voracious consumer of movies. Uh, growing up, movies were magic to me, and they haven't stopped being magic to me. Uh, the last movie I watched was a fantastic horror movie that I would highly recommend that you and all of the listeners watch. Mm. is uh, called Hereditary. 
Such okay. a good movie. Oh my God. Jumped right up there, right beside The Shining in my top three horror movies, favorites of all time. Uh, and I also love to travel. I'm, I'm very blessed and fortunate to be able to travel the world. Uh, I've been all over Europe this year. And uh, actually this week I'm headed to Amsterdam. Wow. So yeah, that's, that's about it. That's fun. And I'm not jealous at all that you're uh, traveling <laughs> in, the, in the next week because I, I am not traveling, but that's all good. It's a tough um, life, man. What can I say? <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, Hamza, I mean, you mentioned so many things that you're involved with and things that, that you're really passionate about in The Gap. But uh, why don't we just jump right in and tell us a bit about Student Life Network. Let us know. I know you're the magic director. So what does that mean? What are your roles? And maybe what are you trying to accomplish over the next next six to 12 months? Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, at Student Life Network, we're trying to help uh, over 1 million students across the country here in Canada uh, to make the successful transition from high school through post-secondary and all the way to their careers and ultimately to their dream jobs. Uh, this is a problem rooted in my own lived experience and shared with with uh, with millions of students across the country. Uh, these students feeling like they're not prepared, uh, that they're saddled with debt, that they have the inability to boost their grades, to be sufficient for whatever they're applying to next, that they don't have the right skills to be competitive in the modern economy, and most importantly, that they're graduating feeling unprepared for a job uh, and ready for the world of work. So how are we solving that? We're collaborating with high-profile brands such as CIBC, Amazon, Ford, and Spotify uh, to create helpful content, exclusive giveaways, and one-of-a-kind opportunities for our students. Uh, and, and like you mentioned, my current role is that of managing director. And uh, the, the last part of your question is, is what do the next 12 months look like? Yeah, like um, you, you guys are already doing many things, so I, I'm sure you have a vision. Yeah, I, I'm just coming up uh, just shy of a year here at Student Life Network, and we've already uh, done quite a bit, but there's so much more left to do. Right now, we're working to harmonize our content strategy and uh, our operations with the core business, uh, which is currently giveaways. To that end, we're building a really comprehensive student journey map, scaling our marketing programs, which include influencer marketing and content creation, and becoming more and more data-driven overall to help address those real student problems that I just described. Every day we're doing things that help students reduce debt, boost grades, develop skills, and land jobs. Well, that's amazing. I mean, I wish I, I wish there was a student network there for me when I was in university as well. So, like, if you could, you know, wave a magic wand on the network right now, I mean, someone who is new to the network, what would that mean to them? Or what would that journey look like for them? Yeah, what would that journey look like for them? That's a great question. I imagine that the the perfect version of Student Life Network is one that anticipates the questions that any typical student has. I shouldn't say typical student because every student is different, but anticipates uh, the questions that a student has based on on a number of factors. Uh, you know, th their studying style, uh, their experience, their age. You know, all thinking about all kinds of intersectionalities and identity types. Um, you know, what their career aspirations are, what their background is, and giving them curated resources, giving them the right message at the right time, uh, whether that's a video, a podcast, an article, a giveaway, um, helping students at these moments of change to make better decisions, to make it more likely that they'll graduate into their dream jobs um, and get closer to their personal definitions of success. That's the dream vision, if I could wave a magic wand over Student Life Network. Well, wow, that's great, and good luck. And let us Thank know, you. and especially me, this is this is something that I, I'm always passionate about, and I'm always thinking about the future. 
and how things are changing, especially with with AI and machine learning. But but I want to look back and when when I was perusing your your LinkedIn, Hamza, and your career. I mean, you're working with Student Life Network and, and helping these students go along this journey. But when I looked at your journey, it, you didn't look like you took that prototypical, <laughs> per se, quote unquote, trajectory of a marketing professional. Oh, far like it, from, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've worked for amazing global brands and you also you also teach, right? You teach at a yes, university yes, level. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So it's really interesting. So I'd love for you to share, I mean, from both sides of the world or even specific what were the key decisions that you had to make during during your career that eventually allowed you to grow as the business leader you are today? That's a great question, Edwin, and and thank you for making that observation. And I hope that any of the listeners uh, who who are feeling confused about their career path based on what they've studied uh, listen very closely to what I'm about to say here. Uh, let me try and think about how I want to say this. Growing up, I didn't have the same outlook on marketing as a career that I imagine people with more traditional or, as you said, prototypical intersectionalities might have. Um, think about it. I was the son of immigrant parents growing up in low socioeconomic circumstances and identified as a person of color. And back then, truthfully, I didn't think marketing was for me. When I looked at the world of marketing, I didn't see myself reflected. There was nobody who I saw that looked like me with my shared experiences, who was at the top, let alone even at the front lines. So for a while, honestly, Edwin, I just kind of floundered. I tried to do the things that my parents wanted me to do. You know, you think mm -hmm. about the typical immigrant dream uh, that 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 parents want of their first generation kids. It's doctor, lawyer, engineer, for lack of a better uh, uh, trinity over there. I'm one of the three, and, actually, that you mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, man. And uh, yeah, I, I tried. I tried very poorly to become all three, and I realized very quickly that uh, at best, I was going to become a mediocre lawyer. And uh, mm -hmm. I went down that path for a couple of years. Hence, why I'm so obsessed with with, with closing the youth uh, unemployment gap and, and and closing the skills gap because that's a problem that I experienced firsthand. But more on that later. Uh, what started happening then for me, Edwin, is, is, is over the years, I started to see projections of success, starting mm. with people like Rohit Bhargava, who was at Ogilvy at the time, then Shiv Singh, who was at Pepsi or MasterCard at the time, uh, Indra Nui, Pepsi, Satish Kanwar, uh, Toronto's very own at Shopify, Dev Basu, powered by Search. Uh, now we see Sundar Pichai at uh, Adobe, Satya Nadella at Microsoft, and the list goes on. Right. So what's been amazing for me to see with those intersectionalities that I described is a runway being extended, the runway of what's possible for me as a marketing professional, as an entrepreneur, as a business person is constantly being extended. But my guiding principles throughout that messy portion of my journey was simply trial and error, but with a growth mindset, which meant that every subsequent job that I took had less of what I didn't like in the last job and more of what I liked. It was a very iterative approach. Of course, and yeah. somewhere along that journey, I discovered the Ikigai framework, which uh, for, for the listeners who aren't familiar with this, it, it elegantly describes the ingredients of purpose, which is four things, really. Number one, what you love. Number two, what the world needs. Number three, what you can be paid for. And number four, what you're good at. And somewhere in the quadrangulation of all four of those things is the thing you're meant to do for the rest of your life. And practicing regular reflection and being open to constructive criticism and mentorship has has helped me to move closer and closer to my purpose. Appreciate that. So when you so when you're talking about that, it's really all that reflection and the mentorship. And 
you you've changed roles as well when I when I did look back in, in organizations and as you did, Hamza, obviously your team and responsibly changed along with them. So I'm really interested, and this is always fascinating to me, how business leaders are able to adjust and continually grow like right. as an effective leader th- throughout your career because things are changing all the time. And sometimes you move to a role that that you felt like maybe it might be a wrong one or the team didn't yeah, like yeah, me yeah. or whatnot. Yeah. That's interesting. And and how I adjusted and, and continually grew as, as a leader throughout my career, I think I, I credit First of all, good parenting with my being open to receiving what I call the ARC values, ARC, uh, attunement, resilience, and creativity. I think that those three values in conjunction uh, have allowed me to adapt to and outlast all kinds of change, be it personal, professional, even academic, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, and you asked about teams, right? Right, Edwin? Yeah, 100%. So, so I think when it comes to my teams, attunement enabled me to, uh, I'd say, empathize with them and understand their motivators and obstacles resilience uh, enabled me to withstand difficult situations and conversations and creativity enabled me to see the connections between seemingly disparate points. And, and, and as I mentioned, the, those, those three values, uh, they form the acronym ARC. And I think that's so fitting because uh, it allows you to, to get through difficult situations, uh, cross bridges. Uh, it has allowed me to withstand and, and adapt to change uh, throughout my career. And, and, and I have every confidence that those three values, specifically those three values, will continue to allow me to do that uh, for the rest of my career. That's great. Can you think of a specific situation where you actually had to go through each of those values to either help you you know, overcome, either it was a decision or something that was coming up, it could have been an irate employee or a customer, like, like where you really had to systematically like go through it and understand like, okay, this is, this is what it means now to, to go through these values. Yeah. Let me, let me see if I can fish for an example that's recent. Um, okay. Yeah, I have one. I have one. This is uh, when I was running my own digital marketing agency called Splash Effect. Uh, mm-hmm. We had a client that uh, was in the wellness space. Um, lovely client, but the person at the head of this organization had a very specific leadership and management style, uh, which for lack of a better phrase, I would describe as uh, uh, <laughs> uh, like a bull in a china shop. Yeah. Uh, very, very headstrong, very bold, often to the point of being brash. And you think about the team that we had cultivated, very quiet, introspective, gentle, uh, it was difficult for this team to work with this particular person in the organization. And mm-hmm. there was one one moment where we were not only behind on a deadline, but uh, actually something that we were building for this client, a website, a web portal, um, was crashing. It wasn't a good scene. We weren't proud. We weren't happy. Um, you know, we were, we were, we were terrified of, of how this was going to play <laughs> out with this particular client. So we tried everything in our power to get the website uh, up and running in time for this client, but uh, force, forces beyond our control prevented us from from doing that. Uh, we didn't manage the project correctly, and ultimately we had to go and face this client and say, "Hey, like, not only is it not done, it's actually broken." Oh my! And uh, those were the were probably one of the worst forty eight hours uh, in in the business history. I mean, we were 
we were at the receiving end of a lot. Uh, this client was was irate. This client led us to believe that we were going to lose the contract, that we were less qualified than we were. And uh, I had to I had to sit with that. My business partner and I had to sit with that and ask ourselves in that moment, what do we do? How do we rescue this project? How do we listen to the client and hear them, actually hear them and and, and try to get to the underlying factors that are making them feel this way? So it required us to put aside our feelings, to put aside history and just be active listeners and practice that. And that's the attunement piece. But at the same time, also listening to our team and understanding their concerns and how they're feeling and making sure that all of the stakeholders feel heard. That when it came to resilience, it was about reminding the team that we had actually been through much worse mm-hmm. and that this one client wasn't the make or break for us. That even if we were to lose this contract, that we would still be okay. We would still make payroll, um, that this wasn't... Uh, uh, something that would color us for the rest of our careers. This wasn't uh, uh, something that would would determine our future as marketing professionals. And once we were able to cross that hurdle of attunement and resilience, we could then focus on, we had the clarity to focus on, on being creative and finding a solution that would respect the actual deadlines and, and at the same time, help the client reach their goals. And so what we did is we rolled up our sleeves and over a weekend hackathon, we built something that held over the client's business objectives until we could find a solution to fixing uh, the problems that we were dealing with. And so I think that's a very short, albeit long-winded explanation of a way with one particular client in one instance that we utilized all three of those values to navigate a a challenge that I think would have broken a less experienced agency um, and and really demotivated people who uh, didn't have the same focus on the ARC values. No, that's a great example, and I could relate um, providing telecommunication services in the business and, you know, telecom being, you know, mission critical sometimes for depending on the type of organization. And, and we've had some days when, when something went wrong and, man, it's, it's, it's really belittling sometimes <laughs> being yeah, on the, tough, that, I mean. that, end of the, uh, that end of the telephone call. You never want to hear it. You never want to see those emails that make you cringe. You never want to see that name on your phone when they're calling you at an odd hour of the night, uh, because that usually means that something's wrong and uh, you're going to experience a level of stress that could completely derail you. And so one of the themes of my life has been about developing better resistance to stress, uh, developing my resilience, nurturing resilience such that um, you know, I, I, I can control my response to it. Hey there, how are you, how are you enjoying this conversation that I had with Hamza Khan? Hamza is such a, such a down-to-earth guy and has plenty of insights when it comes to marketing, business leadership. This episode is brought to you by Dell Small Business, and there's nothing small about your small business. Learn how digital transformation can unlock the potential of your business and pave the way to innovation. If you are enjoying this podcast, please sign up to our monthly newsletter where we share our latest interviews, events, and upcoming guests. Go to thebusinessleadership.com slash newsletter. Now let's get back to it. This might be a great segue to this, Hamza. I mean, and uh, I want to bring it up. I mean, you mentioned that you, you wrote a book. And the yeah. book for the, for the listeners out there is called The Burnout Gamble. Yes. And perhaps this is right timing for me to bring this up. So can you tell us about it and really why you're passionate about it? 
For sure. Thank you for giving me the platform to speak about it. Uh, the Burnout Gamble is a book that I began to write in the aftermath of my final brush with occupational burnout a few years ago. This, Edwin, was a particularly bad episode that saw me collapse mentally, physically, emotionally, and even spiritually now that I think about it. In the process of learning about what had happened to me and how to recover, I began to realize that this was a macro problem that was hiding in plain sight. It was scary. Mm -hmm. So big that the World Health Organization has called stress the health epidemic of the 21st century. Wow. Uh, And my book is for fellow overachievers, people like yourself and myself, who are on the brink of burnout, going through burnout, or recovering from it. Uh, The book is part antidote, part immunization, told from the perspective of someone who has been there, done that, and frankly, never wants to do it again. Mm-hmm. So for the for the listeners and maybe for myself in terms of the cold notes, how does one, you know, see the signs of occupation, occupational burnout? And, and what are maybe two or three things that me as a high achiever could do to really, really not go down that road? Yeah, that's a great question. At the core of my book is the research of uh, two doctors, uh, Dr. Herbert Freudenberger and Dr. Gail North, the people who coined the term burnout. And they actually listed out the 12 stages of burnout. Uh, Mm -hmm. If you don't mind, could I just read them off here? 100%. Yeah, let me just uh, flip to that page in my book over here. I should have it memorized by now, right? (laughs) Uh, Here (laughs) we go. So stage one is, is the compulsion to prove oneself. Um, stage two is working harder. Stage three is neglecting needs. Stage four is displacement of conflicts. Stage five is revision of values. Stage six is denial of emerging problems. Stage seven is withdrawal. Stage eight is odd behavioral changes. Stage nine is depersonalization. Stage 10 is inner emptiness. Stage 11 is depression. And stage 12 is full-blown burnout syndrome. Wow. And uh, how can you overcome burnout? Well, it really depends on if you are trying to prevent burnout or recover from it. But I would say the first three steps that you should take, no matter where you're at, is uh, to deload your priorities, Um, which means that when you're burning out, you are overwhelmed. There's too much going on. There's too many things jam-packed in your calendar, too many uh, things that are commanding, demanding your attention. So, get back to what's essential and start pushing away guilt-free the things that are not essential. And the key word here is probably guilt-free, right? Oh yeah, you have to, you have to. I mean, this means backing out of lunch meetings, coffee dates, birthdays, reclaiming your weekends, wherever you can get time, take it because you need it. Uh, Number two, I'd say the thing you can do is to reconfigure your focus. One of the things that happens when you're burning out is that you lose sense of direction. You lose your connection uh, from your why, from your your reason for being. Mm -hmm. So take the time to to reflect and engage in the corrective exercises such as journaling, um, meditation, uh, um, just reflection, uh, uh, you know, you know, strength finder exercises and, and the lot to, to reconnect with the reason why you're doing what you're doing so that you can get back on track. And then the third thing I would say to do is to assemble boundaries, uh, again, around your, your time, your energy and your attention, because, uh, right now all three are being, uh, they're, they're, they're being besieged by those factors that I mentioned in part one, the notifications, work, family, friends, concerns. You, you want to prevent yourself from relapsing back to ways of being, thinking, and doing that made you burn out in the first place. 
So once you've been able to deload your priorities and reconfigure your focus, you need to assemble boundaries around your three valuable um, uh, resources, time, energy, attention, such that you don't relapse. Well, that's amazing. Well, thank you for sharing that. And, and if you haven't read the book, we'll definitely, it's called The Burnout Gamble. Could, I'm sure be uh, available anywhere in your bookstore. And I might be just giving away one at the end of this episode. Yes. Actually, let's talk about that afterwards. I'd love to hook you up with a couple of books uh, that you can make available to listeners of the podcast. Okay, yeah, for sure. Hamza, I just wanted to change the direction. And this question is more personal and within my interest. And I really want to ask you, given the fact that you you are in front of the next generation and you're talking to these people and, and you're really understanding what they're going through. But with the growth of AI in the work workplace, so I'm really curious of what type of skills you think are needed now, not only for the incoming workforce, but also the people that have been in been working for five, 10, 15 years. Man, you literally asked uh, a billion dollar question over here. When you think about by the year 2020, I think McKinsey put out uh, a study earlier this year talking about how nearly 70% of jobs, I think, uh, don't quote me on that, are going to be affected and Mm -hmm. or outright, in in some cases, just replaced by AI. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're asking the right question. And my advice would be this, and I can't stress this enough. The only way that we can outlast this machine learning revolution is through soft skills. The skills that you didn't think were important when you were in school, the human skills. Anything else can, and I promise you will be automated. At the very least simplified, so as to not enable a full and or meaningful living. So double down, triple down, quadruple down on developing your soft skills. Now, Edwin, fortunately, we've rehearsed and continue to rehearse these, uh, these, these man versus machine scenarios all the time, especially in movies. You know, you think about every single time what's, what's, what's being dramatized in, in these movies. Uh, what are the things that allow us to escape the Matrix, to, to defeat the Terminators, to unplug HAL 9000? Mm-hmm. I would say they're a combination of skills. They're attunement, resilience, creativity, empathy. What else? Compassion, communication, boldness, confidence, listening, leadership, emotional intelligence. I could go on and on and on. Um, I, I, I believe this so much that, I, in fact, I created a company dedicated to helping teams cultivate their soft skills called Skills Camp, which is a soft skills training company. So the short answer here is, is soft skills. Invest in them heavily, please. And, and, and when you talk about soft skills, I know it's a word. It's, it's really an umbrella term. So for someone, and I'm just going to do it for, for examples, purposes, is someone who's a developer, heavy developer, what, what would the soft skill he needs to excel in the, in the new world? That's a great question. So let me just pick three that come to mind. I would say the first one is the intergenerational workforce and understanding that this developer is likely working in a place and or with other companies in which there are four generations under the work under the roof right now. Uh, you've got Generation Z, Generation Y, Generation X, and the boomers. And so understanding how to work with them, uh, you know, what their lived experiences are, what their contexts are, uh, will allow them to be effective, to anticipate problems, and to troubleshoot and, and get the most uh, out of teamwork and, and collaboration situations. Uh, another one that comes to mind is... Um, uh, 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 burnout management, I would say stress management rather, um, 
that that's a huge problem. As I mentioned, when I was talking about the burnout gamble, it's going to affect almost everyone at some level. So understanding things like self-care, uh, developing good and sustainable wellness practices will help them stay in the fight for much longer and avoid burning out. And then another one is just communication, uh, communications and presentation. So this developer is going to have to talk about their work. This developer is going to have to advocate for their ideas. Mm -hmm. uh, this developer is going to have to go and pitch their company if they're at the front of it or working in some sort of leadership capacity. So those are examples of leadership, oh, sorry, soft skills that are essential to their work. Because you know this as, as an engineer is that uh, it's becoming easier and easier to do the work of the engineer. And I remember this as somebody who dabbled in it a couple of <laughs> years ago is that now when I look back, I can see that a lot of the things that I took for granted that I had to hard code are now available through a, a simplified user interface, or those functions are now just being done outright by the system. And eventually we'll get to a place where, you know, you're just kind of speaking into your devices and it's doing everything for you. So how do we anticipate that world? How do we prepare for that world? Um, I forget who said it, and I should really remember this, but I think the liter—I'm going to paraphrase it here: the the illiterate of of the next generation are going to be those who cannot learn, unlearn, and relearn. Wow! And uh, all three of those things are at the heart of of the growth mindset of of lifelong learning as a philosophy, and uh, lend themselves so well to, to soft skills. They're a very complementary uh, philosophy to have. Hamza, can you name a person who has had a tremendous impact on you as as a business leader? Wow. Uh, <laughs> Edwin, there, there's too many. And I think I'd be doing the rest of them a disservice by only picking one. But, but sure. for the sake of this, I would say the one who I've been thinking a lot about recently is uh, somebody who you might know, actually, Drew Dudley, uh, mm -hmm. TEDx keynote speaker. Uh, he did the lollipop moment and he's the author of a book coming out very soon called This is Day One. Uh, right. Him and I met back when I was a student at the University of Toronto and he was, I believe, the coordinator of its leadership development program. Uh, at a critical juncture in my life, at a, at, a, at a moment of change, he taught me the value of holistic development, which is uh, personal development, professional development, academic development, this idea of a whole student. And over the years, he taught me how to operationalize my leadership values, how to do things every single day that will make it more likely that I can confidently say I have those skills that I've described throughout this podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, in his new book, I think he's sharing all of that wisdom and uh, I had the pleasure of reading uh, a few early snippets of it. He, he goes into detail with, with those practical frameworks that I use till this day. And uh, I, I hope one day he gets to be on this podcast and I can't wait for all of the listeners to, to check out his book. This is day one. Well, we definitely have to have him on here. Definitely talking about that. Cause it yeah, sounds like, yeah, it sounds like something I need to read as well. Yeah. Speaking about books, Hamza, I mean, every business leader, they have an interesting nightstand. So I'm really interested to know what you're currently reading right now. <laughs> well, Edwin and listeners to the podcast, don't judge me. <laughs> I'm reading a book called, uh, I kid you not, it's called The World According to Kanye. Ah. And uh, this is by my friend Herbert Louis. Uh, we're both creatives, both people who at a young age were inspired by Mr. West. Mm -hmm. uh, for what it's worth, I think he inspired our entire generation, no matter what we think about him at this stage of his career, whether in music, uh, uh, culture, fashion. Uh, Herbert 
extracted nuggets of wisdom from various interviews of Kanye West and laid them out in a beautiful book that I think he designed himself. And um, uh, these, these insights are helping me to better understand the mindset of someone who has and continues to, as I said earlier, extend the runway of what's possible for me. That's a great um, recommendation. We'll list it on the the podcast episode website, yeah. and uh, I'm really interested to to learn more. And I'll definitely look the it up. The world according to Kanye. <laughs> Hamza, fun question. If I were to ask any of your your teammates, past or present, colleagues, peers, what is the best leadership quality that Hamza possess? What do you think mm, they'll say? That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, they have said, and I and I hope they still say that I'm a good listener. Uh, I'm an active listener and I'm genuinely curious and interested in them and their worlds. I think in an age where everyone is talking and broadcasting, I think the ability to hear, and I mean actually hear, is is truly special. Uh, we as humans, we want to be heard. We want to feel acknowledged and understood. And and honestly, it's, it, it's, it's just amazing what you learn when you actually pay attention. That's great. And that's probably something listed under soft skills, right, Hamza? Yeah, absolutely. Right up there at the top. So what else? Um, do you have any other special projects? I know you have a number of things on the go, but perhaps initiatives, some new initiatives, or really something fun that you're you're like super excited about it and you're losing sleep right now that, that you'd like to share. Great question. Great question. I, I'm super excited about my trip to Amsterdam, which is coming up very soon. But uh, as far as special projects, initiatives, or, or other things are concerned, uh, we're coming up on the one-year anniversary of the burnout gamble. I can't believe that we're, wow. we've been in market for one year. Uh, I'm so excited. The second edition of the book is now available online, Amazon, Indigo, uh, chapters, Barnes and Noble, you name it. Uh, and it's going to be carried in more stores. Uh, I think it's, it's, uh, seeing the rounds currently at Indigo stores, but we're going to see it, uh, possibly in Walmart, Shoppers Drug Mart very soon as well. Uh, and new versions of the book are going to be available, particularly an audiobook and an online course. Uh, and yeah, man, as I mentioned, I'd love to hook you up with a few copies to share with your listeners. So, so let's talk about that after if you're still open to it. Definitely. Awesome. Uh, I'm, I'm also doing a lot more writing. You can get access to my weekly dispatches by signing up for my newsletter at hamzakhan.ca slash newsletter. Uh, and I've got some pretty awesome speaking engagements coming up, uh, a few of which I hope will be open to the public as well. Great. That's amazing. You're always, uh, keep, you're always inspiring. So keep that up, Hamza. And oh, I'm man, really, thank you. Thank you. really, really happy to have you. But before we end, uh, ideally, if you could share some final thoughts, observations, any actionable recommendations that you could share with, with someone who's listening, either they're an emerging business leader, perhaps there's someone who's going through through school, and anyone who's listening today. Yeah. Um, wow, so much I want to say. But, you know, thinking, thinking through the lens of the burnout gamble, I would say nurture that resilience muscle and, and do things every day that scare you. Uh, turn up the difficulty incrementally in areas of your life where you're comfortable because comfort can lead to complacency. And, and complacency will catch you off guard when the going gets tough. So you, you're going to want to invest in your physical fitness, your health, your well-being, uh, set ambitious goals for yourself, choose the path less taken, and face the things that will face you regardless if you choose to face them or not. 
Mm. Uh, there's something in your life right now. There's multiple things in your life that you know you're not confronting, but are still facing you regardless. It could be a bad relationship. It could be a failing business. It could be your own insecurities. It could be imposter syndrome, whatever it is, choose to face them head on regardless of how you feel because those things are going to face you whether you choose to face them or not. You have no idea of what you're truly capable of until you reach the edges of your comfort zone and then take gradual steps outside of them. So that's what I would say. That's awesome. Thank you, Hamza. So to close, can you tell us where we can find more information about you, your company, your book, or anything else? Yeah, let's let's start with the company. You can learn more about Student Life Network by going to studentlifenetwork.com or following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, to learn more about me, check out hamzakhan.ca. Follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. Uh, let me know what you thought about this episode. Uh, drop me a line if you want any any further clarification or have any follow up questions. I'm more than happy more than happy to keep this conversation going. And be sure to subscribe to my newsletter at hamzakhan.ca backslash newsletter. That's about it, Edwin. Awesome. Well, Hamza, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining us on the Business Leadership Podcast. Wow, the pleasure was all mine. Thank you. Thank you so much for this opportunity uh, to be on this incredible platform. And thank you to all the listeners for tuning in uh, week over week. Uh, It's an absolute honor. That's it, Biz Leaders. Thank you for joining me on the Business Leadership Podcast, episode number 68 with Hamza Khan. If you want to learn more about Hamza, the Student Life Network, or his book, The Burnout Gamble, or really anything else that we discuss, please go to thebusinessleadership.com slash 068. This episode is brought to you by Dell, empowering Canadian entrepreneurs with the tools, technology, and resources they need to succeed. Also, the Business Leadership Podcast is a friend of the ITWC Podcast Network and supported by our media partner, IT World Canada. If you have not done so yet, please subscribe to the podcast on iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Thank you again. Edwin signing off. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com. Okay.